greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Soften up, Roddy Roddy Piper. 
Well, I'll tell you, McMahon, it's not going to take too much more to soften up Roddy because Roddy's head is already soft, in my opinion. Tremendous matchup here, these two, of course. You never know it, but at one time they were the best of friends. Look at the cover and almost three. McMahon, let me get something straight with you right now. There is no friendship here when it comes to wrestling. Almost a count of three. Listen to the chant of Roddy. The elbow miss on the part of Orton. Wait a minute, Jimmy Hart hooks Piper. He comes over to the right hand. Hart almost bought the farm. Piper knocks Orton into Jimmy Hart. Look at that roll up by Piper. What a move in a victory. Sensational victory. Rowdy, Roddy Piper. He was Rowdy Jesse before Rowdy was cool. Well, I'll tell you something, McMahon. Piper is not out of the woods yet. Piper may have won the battle, but the war is far from over because there's still Morocco waiting in the wings and Adrian Adonis. Hello and welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast. I am your host, JP John Paz, and this is, of course, part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire on the TMPT feed. Each and every week here on the Hogan Era Podcast, we're talking about the greatest era in the history of the business, the golden era of wrestling, 1984 to 1993 in the WWF, when Hulk Hogan was at his peak, and he was at his land of dominance, if you will, just absolutely dominating the world we know as pro wrestling, the world of the World Wrestling Federation. When you think about the Hulkster, you have to think about all the great feuds that he had along the way as well. Great feuds like Rowdy Roddy Piper, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Macho Man Randy Savage, Andre the Giant, King Kong Bundy, and the list goes on and on and on. We could talk about that list pretty much forever. We're here on episode number 31, and we're not even close done i have a list of other guys to talk about that he's feuded with so it's crazy to think that while a lot of the feuds maybe weren't on this big scale or maybe a lot of feuds were on a house show or maybe a lot of feuds were on shows that weren't as big as let's say a wrestlemania or a big pay-per-view but they still had major feuds in major markets and it was still making a ton of money and like i always say on the show the live events the quote-unquote house shows where where the the bread was buttered and that's where they made all their money and that's how they really really made a ton of money when it was really that live event business that was kill you know killing for WWE and kicking ass now I know we've said this a million times it's all about TV rights and not only TV rights but then they got Saudi Arabia deal and you got some other stuff going on that that they can make extra money but not predicated so much on the live events and the attendance when back here in in the 80s and early 90s very much focusing in on the attendance and very much focusing in on how much money and how many people we can draw in the house make that money and maybe sell some merch along the way i feel like nowadays of course merch is still very important but getting people in 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 the arena for like live shows hasn't really been a focus or a key and hasn't really been that important as you could even see i've mentioned this before on the show aew sometimes sells more tickets in WWE in certain areas i was just talking to jimmy yang the interview will be out tomorrow the um and it's available right now on video form on hannibal tv and then you can check out my youtube two-man power trip of wrestling podcast as well he was talking about how I think AEW sold 10,000 tickets in Long Island and WB sold like 6,000, something along that nature. And WB was very aware of it, but WB kind of didn't care. It was it's very strange just the, just the way it was perceived or the way people thought of it because that makes AEW look like bigger competition. And even though you're making billions of dollars and they were in the red for the year, it just, you know, for the, uh, the, eye, the eye test, if you will, you're looking at it, you're like, wow, AEW is selling more tickets to the live events. It's just the WB and maybe... 
to their detriment, or maybe it's a, it's a smart business move. They kind of don't care as much about the, the live event people and, and getting people in the building and the house shows and, and even the Raws and SmackDowns. I feel like it hasn't really been a big push to sell tickets. I feel like really only WrestleMania has been the real show that they've really been pushing people to come and trying to give deals and have all these ticket prices, uh, you know, buy ticket uh, deals. Uh, the prices may be slashed or buy two, get one free or whatever the hell it is, or buy one, get two free, whatever the heck they're doing. I feel like back here in the Hogan era, it was so important to sell tickets. And, they, and Hogan was the machine that was driving this. And there were so many guys he was feuding with. While he's feuding with Rowdy Roddy Piper and while he's feuding with Paul Orndorff, he's also feuding with the ace, Cowboy Bob Orton, which this show is about today. And there's a lot of cool little landmarks for this feud. And you think for yourself, like, oh, it's just a background feud. It was just to get you know, from point A to point B. And I always stress it on the show and I always talk about the importance of it, these glue guys, how important it is to get from one feud to another or keep one feud extended further than the shelf life maybe allows by having these secondary pieces come in and feud with that main guy. For instance, I mentioned this before, Dino Bravo last week on the show, and I'll mention him again in a little bit, but Dino Bravo was the glue guy to keep the earthquake feud going. And I feel like people... We're thinking, oh, it wasn't really a feud. Well, it was a feud. Earthquake and Bravo both were feuding with Hogan. Really, Earthquake was the big dog, but you had to get through Bravo to get to Earthquake. And then Hogan obviously finishes off both guys, wins the feud, moves, moves on to the next guy. But those bridge guys, those glue guys are so important because you can't just have the guy feud with the one guy forever. It just gets so old and so tired. I know we've seen it a million times in WWE in their current booking, like Usos versus New Day have been the same match and the same feud for the last five years. Well, guess what? There's no interest in it. It's boring as hell. And whenever they try to sell you that match, no one gives a damn and no one even cares because you do it too much. That's why back in the day, back in the Hogan era, he did do Hogan versus Earthquake a million times or Hogan versus Piper a million times. You spice it up. You did a bunch of tag matches. You had other guys that Hogan was shooting with. And of course, Hogan is the big dog and it's a lot of different situations and a lot of different things going on. They're kind of doing that a little bit with Roman Reigns where he's shooting with a few different guys at once, but Brock is his main feud. But with Hogan, it's like, okay, who's he feuding with? Definitely it's Piper. Piper's the number one guy. That's who he's feuding with. You sprinkle in a little Orndorff. Then you sprinkle in a little Cowboy Bob and you keep the feud fresh and you keep it going. And then when it's just Piper and, and Orton, you really kind of accentuate Orton and bring him up and put him on Saturday night's main event. Put him in the main event of Spectrum, a.k.a. the Prism Network, MSG shows, the first ever Saturday night's main event. You make it believable, but you're also building and adding to the Hogan Piper feud. So really, to me, great stuff. And I just a genius booking. I just love the way that they kind of did it back then. And obviously, everybody knows Cowboy Bob Orton. He is the father of Randy Orton and obviously the son of Bob Orton Sr. So three generations of Ortons, all unique wrestlers, of course, Cowboy Bob and Randy Orton, known as being two of the best workers of all time. Cowboy Bob obviously taught Randy a lot of good traits as far as the wrestling business is concerned. Cowboy Bob, I think a lot of people also remember the awesome cowboy hat and, of course, the infamous cast. He wore that forever, and as the story goes, he just kept it on for way longer than he needed to because he never really fully let it heal. I know, obviously, it's a part of a gimmick and it's part of a work. Yeah, he did injure it, but he kept it on, and it really kept storylines going that, you know, he's dastardly healed this asshole, is using this can uh, cast, and he's cheating, and it just was perfect, and it made sense, and I loved it, and I, and I even still see people doing that today where they have the cast, and they take it off, and it was a work, and they put it back on for the ref, and they hit the guy with it. They use it as a weapon. Really, just in genius you know you could say cheap heat but i think it was great heat and a great job by orton with that cast so 
Speaking of Orton, his WWF debut was in 1982. To 17-82, he defeated Steve King. He gets a bunch of wins, even over the legendary Frank Williams and SD Jones. Before he gets a WWF title shot in April, and he beats Bob, uh, excuse me, Bob Backlund by countout, and that's in White Plains, New York. He fights. Pat Patterson to a double DQ. He keeps getting wins over guys like Tony Atlas, Rick McGraw, and SD Jones, Steve Travis. He's winning Battle Royals. He's going to get a rematch against Bob Backlund for the title. Match goes 22 minutes on 5 1, 1982, and Bob Backlund defeats Cowboy Bob in Landover, Maryland. So, as we kind of just go through, and, and we're going to kind of go through his career, not too quickly, but quickly here. Um, He's just kind of going along, going along, going along. He's basically there from ni- almost all of 1982. Then 1983, he's in the NWA, and he's, he's doing other things. He's trying to collect a bounty for Harley Race on Ric Flair, along with great tag team partner of his, Dick Slater. Vince McMahon Jr. is really kind of making a big, big push and wants to kind of steal all the great guys and all the great workers from all the territories and you know basically kill off the territories. So what he does is he brings... Bob Orton back in 1984. So he's gone in 83. He's basically a stalwart of the NWA for a bit. If you remember the Starkade 83 feud with Flair and Race, Harley Race hires Slater and Orton as a bounty to take out Flair beforehand. And he gets some great feuds with Flair and Orton, Flair and Slater. But Vince McMahon obviously is paying very close attention to the great wrestlers all over the world. And he basically, you know, for better word or better use, he steals Orton and he brings him back to the WWF. His first match back, he defeats the Tonga Kid, 327-1984. As he's going along in 84, he's doing pretty well, staying undefeated for quite a while until he meets up with Tito Santana in June of that year and loses via countout in Pittsburgh. And then when they fight in Struthers, Ohio, Tito beats Orton via DQ. Those are both IC title matches. Some just interesting stuff where he's fighting uh, Bob back into a time limit draw. He loses again to Tito by countout. A few times, once again in Pittsburgh, once again in Baltimore. He has a WWF Intercontinental title shot on 7-23-1984, and he goes to a time limit draw with Tito Santana on the MSG Network. Match goes about 20 minutes. They have another draw in New Haven, Connecticut. Then as he's kind of coming along and being built up, Finally, Tito kind of ends the feud and beats him 8-19-1984 Maple Leafs Garden in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Match goes about 13 minutes. Tito, a big win over Orton there. And that all is kind of leading up to a big-time, big-time feud with the Hulkster. And really, the first time that they touch, the first time they lock horns, would be in 1984. So about um, a little bit after the Tito match. Orton is getting a world title shot at the Memorial Auditorium in Buffalo, New York. Hulk Hogan, of course, gets the win there. Then you go to September, and they're having a big MSG match. Hulk Hogan defeats Cowboy Bob in about 12 minutes on the MSG Network. But I'm sorry, it is it was from the Nassau Coliseum. So MSG Network show from Nassau, still big time, big time show there on MSG. Hogan defeats Orton. They're part of a battle royal together. Then they have another match in Springfield, Mass. On 4-24-85, Hogan defeats Orton there. And, of course, I mentioned this before, but Hogan's main feud at this point is, of course, Rowdy, Roddy Piper, and Paul Orndorff. And this is all predicated around WrestleMania 1 and past WrestleMania 1. So when WrestleMania 1 happens in, in March, is right before the Hogan-Orton match I just mentioned in Springfield, Mass. WrestleMania, of course, Hogan and Mr. T defeat Piper and Orndorff 
also to note, Bob Orton was in the corner of Orton and excuse me, Orton was in the corner of Orndorf and Piper. And of course, Snuka was in Mr. T and Hulk Hogan's corner. Orton plays a big part in the finish because the aforementioned cast, as I mentioned, came down and by accident hits Orndorf, Hogan, and Mr. T get the win. So Orton did play a major, major role in the main event of WrestleMania 1. Will never be forgotten. Any of those WrestleMania 1 guys live on forever, basically. And I think it's just a testament to those guys, but a testament to Hulk and a testament to the WWF and a testament to that era of professional wrestling. So then the next time these guys meet up, Hogan and Jimmy Snuka defeat Orton and Piper in Baltimore, Maryland. Then we have a title match again, 5-10-85 from the first ever WWF Saturday night's main event, number one, Long Island Coliseum in Long Island, New York. Hulk Hogan defeats Cowboy Bob Orton by disqualification in about seven minutes. Pretty awesome to think, like, okay, the first ever Saturday night's main event, you're going to get millions upon millions upon millions, tens of millions of viewers. Who's the first main event? Obviously, Hogan's a part of it. Who's Hogan going up against? A guy he's been kind of side-feuding with for a little bit, Cowboy Bob Orton. Pretty big spot for Orton. Huge spot for Orton right there. Hogan and Snooker then defeat Orton and Magnificent Morocco. Great tag team, by the way. 518-85 on Nesson from Boston Garden. Hogan and Orndorff, who have just turned face, defeated Orton and Piper by DQ. In Montvale, New Jersey, not too far away from me in June. Hogan and Orndorff defeat Stud and Orton in Long Island. Then we go to the Prism Network in Philly. Hogan and Orndorff defeat Piper and Orton. Hogan and Orndorff defeat Piper and Orton again in Minneapolis. Hogan and Orndorff again defeating Piper and Orton in St. Louis, Missouri, the home of Cowboy Bob. Then we have a world title match house show, Baltimore, Maryland, 8-3-1985. Hogan defeats Cowboy Bob. They have a steel cage tag team match a few weeks later. In Minneapolis, Minnesota, Hogan and Order of Defeat, Orton and Piper. That's a great one. Then you get that match repeated again in Rosemont at Chicago. Then a part of the international wrestling and WWF event out of Montreal, Montreal, Quebec, Canada, 1-13-1986. Big time kind of joint show there in Montreal. Hogan defeats Cowboy Bob. Then we have a house show in San Diego, Hogan and Piper. A rare tag team defeat Orton and Magnificent Morocco. They have the same match in San Diego, California, Hogan and Piper win again. Great tag team. Hogan and Piper rarely team, but they were teaming here against the great Orton and Morocco. The final match, a part of this feud, was a part of Hogan's first superstars one-on-one match. And it's interesting to note, I mentioned this last week, the only other superstar one-on-one match he had was in 1990 against Dino Bravo. So a little back-to-back here, a little trivia for you. Some superstars action for the Hulkster. 5-12, 1987, Hulk Hogan defeats Cowboy Bob Orton in their last ever match, the last contest. Superstars number 37, Anaheim, California. Match goes about nine minutes. So it's a little bit of intrigue there, a little cool stuff. But it's one of those things where really cool feud, really cool like to be able to go back and think about it and go be able to watch those matches and go be able to talk about it you'll hear a great match at the end of this episode between hogan and orton but it's one of those things where he was definitely a glue guy he's definitely a guy that was holding it together while hogan was feuding with mr rowdy Roddy piper but you had to keep things very very interesting and you couldn't just have hogan piper you don't want to blow that load if you will for lack of a better term but you don't want to blow that feud uh out of the water you want to keep that feud going keep that feud strong and keep it more rare you don't want to just have a million matches so enter cowboy bob orton the ace the perfect foil to have be the guy that can take some pins and take some losses but can keep his heat but can also keep the 
feud going with Piper. He can be the ultimate glue guy, the ultimate bridge guy. In 1987, 11787 is one of his last matches. Cowboy Bob, of course, I'm referring to in the WWF during the Hogan era. They had a match at the Keel Auditorium in St. Louis, Missouri. Ho Orton and uh, Sam Houston go to a draw. And then his last ever match in the WWF during the Hogan era was against Ted DiBiase, and he loses to him in Springfield, Illinois. That was on October 11th, 1989. So I don't know if people realize he was there until 89, but he was. And, of course, if everybody remembers, he does come back in 2005 in the WWE. Of course, nothing's not the Hogan era, but this is in the WWE. He has a match with The Undertaker. He has a handicap match with Piper, and and uh, Piper fights him and his son. So they had the advantage there. Then, of course, Orton and... Randy defeat Undertaker at No Mercy 05 in a handicap match. There's a great uh, six-man tag from SmackDown. Batista, Eddie, and Piper defeated Orton, Mr. Kennedy, and Randy Orton. And then, of course, on SmackDown 10-30-2005, Hogan, excuse me, uh, Rowdy Piper defeats Orton by DQ there from the Staples Center. So that was his WWE run. And, of course, I did mention his WWF run ending in 19. 85. So this is a, a good one, kind of a short feud, but a really, really good one as it goes from 1984, basically to 1985. And then we even have matches in 86. And then the final match that they had, like I mentioned, was 5-12-87 on Superstars, his first Superstars match. And it was a world title match. And it is really one of two Superstars matches that he ended up having in his career. When you think about Cowboy Bob, one of the greatest workers of all time, maybe you don't think, oh, you know, he, he's going to be the world champion or maybe should be the world champion, but he was great. Great worker, that perfect kind of upper mid-card guy, that perfect heel, the perfect foil, the perfect guy for Hogan to fight on the quote-unquote lesser shows that maybe isn't WrestleMania or that you need a main event for Saturday Night's main event or MSG or you need a main event for superstars. He was the perfect guy for Hogan to wrestle. I just thought that was a, a great, great kind of underestimated and undervalued feud in the Hogan run and the Hogan era. So just want to mention, of course, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at two man power trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com and Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. I'd like to thank everybody out there for tuning in. We'll see you right back here next week for the Hogan era podcast. We'll see you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother. Mr. Fuji. He represents from Kansas City, weighing 248 pounds, the ace, Cowboy Bob Orton. And his opponent,
Listen, I'll agree with you there. Bob Orton. Oh, this is going to be a great matchup. Great some match. technician. A clash of styles here, Bruno, completely. Yes, indeed. And, and Horton is going to be a very tough competitor. However, you have to give the edge to Hogan because he's been a champion for over two years, successful against Dolph. There's no question. going to be no easy pickings here. It's going to be a very, very good bout. The Hawkstar. He has really put together like nobody else. Ooh, look at this. An early advantage getting Hogan in the corner. How about that? Martin upstairs now with the elbow. I'm going downstairs. As the Hulk's really hard continuing to hammer the knot. Hogan firing him up. Sharing the right hand with a chop. Right back with another right hand. Hogan. As Bob Orton dazed. Dazed. He was a moment ago. Boy, Orton is tough. Oh, I'll tell you, Orton, Orton, this is going to be a great match. Great match. Orton for the ride off the road. The Hulkster lines up. Orton puts on the brakes just in time, but he misses it. Oh, baby. Wow. What a maneuver. Bob Orton put on the brakes and missed the first shot, but he certainly didn't miss that clothesline. Well, the big advantage for Hogan is definitely strength and size, which Orton's going to have to contend with here. Well, I think I showed a little speed, too, because if you saw me, I'm going through the ropes and thought he outmaneuvered Hogan, but Hogan was so quick in catching him with that close liner. And Bob is Bob Orton now locking back up, and again, Hogan moving back into the corner, something I've never seen the champion do before. I think a little strategy on the part of the Hulkster. Reversal now. He's not liking it. I don't blame Fuji because every one of those are punches thrown by the champion. Those are close fists, close to the Jesse Orton now, off the ropes, and look at that, close by Paul Hulkster. Covers it, wow, we get two, and Orton kicks out. Cowboy Bob Orton, in the front face lock now. Hulkster back to the corner. And reversal, look at that. Ooh, and I think, I think the top rope strand might Distracted the Hulkster. Whoa, look at Orton. Picked up the big champion and gave him a backbreaker. Orton hit those ropes so hard before. I think you're right. I think the top strand. Oh, come on. Fuji, Mr. Fuji doing damage outside of the ring. Cowboy Bob's got the referee tied up. We're going to have to take this quick commercial break, unfortunately. We're going to commercial if we miss anything. We'll give it to you on replay. We'll be right back. World's heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan in a lot of trouble against ace cowboy Bob Orton. And this is all that remains at this particular point in time of the weasel. We're going to be back with the very exciting conclusion of this title defense in just one moment. So don't go anywhere. Bob Orton with a 
series of knees. And we've definitely got a broken top rope out there. At least. Maybe the cable is under. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Right on a throat. Well, I told you when this match started that Hulk Hogan had better not underestimate Bob Orton. I don't think he was underestimating Orton at all. If anything, he was guilty of. He might be underestimating Fuji, who got involved. Well, that might be true, too, but they're a team. Orton got across the back of the neck. Orton now in the superior position with momentum going his way and momentum being so very, very much going to win a matchup. Yeah, he's going to stay on uh, Hogan right now. The thing is, I think he realized early that he's not going to beat Hogan by, by wrestling him. So he's used every tough tactic imagine used the fugitive for distraction. So far, they do have Hogan in some kind of a bad situation. Mr. Fuji trying to encourage the move in. Well, I'll tell you what, too. I, if I was Orton, I wouldn't call for Hogan to get up. I'd keep him down. One, we have two. And a kick out by Hulkster. You can almost feel, almost feel the spirit of those individuals. When the Hulkster has dedicated this match, trying to have another two count. I'm not trying. Call it like it is. Just a great match. That's all I'm looking at. Bob Orton with a definite advantage right here. Just hammering away on the Hulkster. There's one thing for sure. The 300-plus-pound champion has certainly proven through the years that he can take enormous sums of punishment and still make it back to the top. Ooh, what a right hand there by Bob Orton. That's what makes a champion a champion because he can absorb a lot and still have that that will, that enthusiasm, whatever, to come back. And that's what Hogan is doing. He's taken every blow that uh, Horton has delivered, and he's still in there. By no means uh, a defeat at this I would, point. I would think, however, that has to, I agree with you, but I have to take its price. When a man like Hulk Hogan sustained so much damage in every match. But now, it's Bob Orton who's paying the price. Off the rough. Ooh, just like that. Seesaw matchup back and forth. That's when Hogan made a mistake there, though. He dropped his head right there, and he allowed Bob Orton to get that shot in. You've got to watch your opponent. Orton with the slam. Even Jones can make mistakes in there. Looking over at Fuji a moment ago. I think hoping that Fuji's going to impart a little wisdom. A cover. No. Looks like Orton's getting a little frustrated. That he is. He's got to use some type of move, and you know what? With this top rope strand the way it is, he probably cannot use the superplex now. Good point. That's got to throw him off. That's got to throw Bob Orton off. Because One, that, two, no. That takes a huge thing out of his arsenal if he cannot use the superplex. He's frustrated because he's thrown every blow on the champion and he still hasn't been able to put him away. Turning around just like that. He's going up. 
again. You made reference to the back line. The ropes took it away from him. Two and oh, kick, oh, kick out with authority that time. Set up to the buckle. 